0: Welcome to Our Fighting Spirit, the podcast that celebrates and shares the stories of those who believe in persevering over giving up, standing again after falling, and continuing to live and build a life of their dreams no matter the circumstances. Here's your host, Anthony Gigante.
1: Hey, on today's episode of Our Fighting Spirit, episode two, is someone who I've known for a long time, and he really is the definition of a fighting spirit, just like our first guest, Sophia Giganti, on episode one, the great Mario Bosco. Mario, so great to see you, man.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor. And also, it's a pleasure to see you after so many years. I don't want to yes. say decades, but yes,
1: <laughs> It's been a long time. I think the last time we saw each other was probably 2010, maybe. Um, yeah. Years have flown by since then, but we worked on a film together, Kujini and Mario was one of the principals of the film, and that's when I fell in love with Mario Bosco when we were doing our film. And Mario is the king of reinvention, so we're going to get into a lot of great things about Mario today, what he's done in the past, what he's doing now, and what he's looking for in the future. So, first of all, how are you, Mario?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I have to say, this year has been a blessing in disguise career-wise, um... I I don't know what I did, what I stepped in, who I stomped over, but I've truly been blessed.
1: That's so great to hear. I know you work hard. You actually work harder than anyone I know, Mario. You uh, have a tremendous knack, as I mentioned, of reinvention, but also a great knack of getting through doors. I mean, I've never seen anyone in my life get through the door and get to the decision makers like you. Tell us a little bit about that. You have a great history there with some pretty famous people.
2: Yeah, I, I have this thing, I just, uh, you know, I just, I see a celebrity and until I get phone number, address, email, where they live and what they're going to do for me, <laughs> I don't stop.
1: And the great thing is that they, that they all love you. They they do it. They, they, they can't resist you. Like, it's just so amazing to watch. I've watched you in action and it's pretty incredible. Tell us how, tell us, go back to your as far as you want to go back, but let's let's talk about briefly about your health issues and, and what turned you on to this career that you're chasing and, and, and thriving in, to be honest.
2: Uh, well, a very long, long time ago on a cold winter's morning, night or whatever, <laughs> uh, my mother's water broke and soon to be, I was here. <laughs> but right before I was about to make my big entrance and appearance, A doctor gave my mom a cold pill. She felt a little chill. And the pill, once your water breaks, you're not supposed to do that. And the pill went down the whole falunion tube or whatever you call it. It went down my thyroid, and it burned out my thyroid. And days later, after being on this beautiful earth, God-given earth, I developed a few things like I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking, and they couldn't figure out the why's and the who's. And I'm going back to when I was born, was 1973. So it wasn't like today where they would say, okay, jump on this, jump on that, jump on this. So uh, they couldn't figure out how I was born, eight pounds and somewhat ounces, regular baby, and what happened. and. But after being in that hospital, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, Caledonia, and then transferred to Mount Sinai. After seven months, they finally discovered what I had, and they brought me home.
1: What well, what is what is what were they What did they diagnose you with, Mario?
2: I was diagnosed with low blood sugar, hypoglycemic, and a thyroid malfunction. The main thyroid gland was burned by this pill. Now, in any situation, your pill could do damage, could go to the brain, especially a baby that's still mm-hmm. not even out in the world. It's, not, it's developed the water, it's ready to be born, but still could have went up the other way, could have burned my brain cells, could have done, and instead, lucky enough that it only burned my thyroid gland and whatever. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing and and I'm you know I I've no, I've known about it but again uh you know you turn that around into an unbelie- unbelievable life so what what it does it, it it stops you from growing is that correct is that a safe way to say yeah. It or
2: yeah yeah it's it basically the pituitary gland is what stops you from going growing going through puberty going through Manlyhood, and I used to always say, "God, why, why me? Of all the people in the world, the billions of people, what did we do? What did I do to be together?" Now, today, I say, "Thank you, God. I knew you had a plan and a reason." And guess blessed, really, yes, truly blessed.
1: Yes, you're you're really amazing, Mario, and and you're one hundred percent right. I mean. You know the podcast is called Our Fighting Spirit, and and we we find people who have overcome obstacles. I wouldn't even call it an obstacle; challenges in their life that most others would have just given up and and listen to the listen to the doctors, listen to everyone around them saying, "You can't do this, you can't do that." But you you prove them wrong. You use what happened to you to your advantage, and let's let's start going up the ladder about how you became an actor. I mean, that's a phenomenal story. Let's you know, well, I'm going
2: to go down the ladder for a second. You know, um, my young teen years or my younger 9, 10, 11 as I started to knowledge more the weekly visits to Mount Sinai and it weren't, you know, hey, we're going to say hello. It was getting tested, blood work, needles, and I didn't like, I had had more than enough for needles and um, and I it was more than one plate could serve for a child of any age to understand and be groped and touched and moved and, and poked by a doctor or nurses. And I, my best uh, I best way of putting it is there was the one time um, I was in uh, the hospital, the Monday was a Monday visit and it was like once a month or whatever, every three months. And I remember the head doctor walked in and behind him was like 20 intern students that he was educated. And I remember being very vulgar and nasty and going, you, 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 I counted all of them. And I told me, get the F out of the room. I don't want you here. I was very bitter.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, you 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 just mentioned you not you started to acknowledge when you were about seven or eight years old that there was something Different about you is that is that correct? Um, well, not
2: not the difference part. It was more of wasn't we're going to see grandma? We're not going shopping. We are going the to hospital. the hospital, and you knew that when you walked in, there was needles and poking and this and that, and it was a lot on my parents at the time to absorb. And you know, the one thing that pretty much I couldn't take anymore was the tube seating. Because mm-hmm. I was nine years old. I think I told you I weighed like 39 pounds. And yeah, yeah. they couldn't figure out the who's, what's, when's, and where's. And, and then finally they said, if you don't get this done, you're going to die. And it's like, wow, really? And they kept putting this tube in, and I kept pulling it out. And I, I lived with it for four months. It was horrible. But I guess it saved my life.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I totally understand that. And we grew up in the same place. We both grew up in Brooklyn, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which was yeah. uh, a great place to grow up, but a tough place to grow up. We, you tough, know, tough, tough. It's tough. It makes you tough, right? It makes you who yeah. you are today. How was it at your age and as a young as a young man going through school and and socializing with with people in your neighborhood? That, that easy,
2: that pretty that cruel. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. I don't know if you want to take that line back because I stumped on it.
1: No, it's okay. We can go. Oh,
2: not easy. Not easy at all. Growing up, um, you know, schooling wasn't the best because I didn't lo- I was like, you know, if God gave me so much of this fortunes of being a sick child and being small for my hand and not having a regular life where I could get a girlfriend, live a full life, do what I wanted to do. Then if God couldn't give me that, then I didn't want anything else that this world was going to give me, like education or any type of schooling. So when I was hospitalized, they would always bring me, my family, bring me my homework from school. Mm-hmm. Do your homework, get it done, put it in the bag, we'll bring it back to the teacher, she'll grade it, and you could graduate and pass to the next grade. I didn't want nothing to do what I used to dump done, but right in the garbage can. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. I could imagine I could imagine so did you so you actually didn't go to school when you were out of the hospital did you go to- I didn't
2: go to school I mean I, I went to school I don't want to say that I walked out of there with a diploma but a yeah. shook a, a shaking of <laughs> a hand I think did it more appropriate
1: <laughs> that's that's great and 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 how were your what were you feeling like when you went to school were you Uh, were you afraid were you afraid you're going to get picked on because you're pretty strong personality and no one really picks on you to my knowledge Mario I mean you you kind of do the picking you know you're I do the
2: picking I think I'm the terror in the group I think that the students um like I wanted to be with the big kids the eighth graders the sixth grade seventh grade I didn't want to be with with the little ones, and then and, and they were like, well, we think that maybe special education would be better because there would be more to understand. And I was like, uh, I think you're making a big mistake there. I remember they took me to, uh, like, a, on a bus school, and, this, and God forgive me, but there was one student who had a drip pan from under his chin and as I walked out, I made like a 360. I wasn't being blogger or being, oh, I'm better than these kids. I wasn't, because I was probably even equal or in worse shape at that time, like them. But I wasn't gonna lower my standards. You know? The teacher one time took the the bat off the wall. He goes, uh, goes, you know, he goes, you're not paying attention, you're not. Doing your work, you're failing everything because you know I might have to this I said, Well, if you hit me with that, I could promise you, you're gonna be found in about 12 different dumpsters on the side of the ocean. So put the bat back on the shelf and let it be a remembrance.
1: That's that's beautiful. And you know what? I know you said that because I know you for a long time, and I know that's. That's where you. That's who you are, man. You know, that's who you are. You, you, uh, you, uh, you stand tall among the tallest, Mario. You truly do. So uh, next, next up was high school, and uh, that had to be even more of a of a challenge for you, I would imagine. Correct, or am I but, jumping too far ahead? Um,
2: no. By the time high school came around, I had already uh, met Bill Cosby. In yeah, my, we
0: want to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Bill Cosby was 1986. It was it was I got into 89, I graduated to 38. So I knew Mr. Cosby three years and the Cosby show cast. Um, so one student knew it was basically all I needed, it was like the abdominals. Like so one kid asked me, he goes, Can you you know Bill Cosby? I was like, Yeah, go look at a picture right here. And he's like, well, yeah, I need his phone number. And and I was like, you ain't getting his phone number. And I was like, not that I had it, but I wasn't giving it to him. I wasn't going to say, hey, I don't have Bill Cosby's phone number, but we're really good friends. Nobody's going to buy that story. And he was like, no, 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 listen, you need to give me the number. And he pushed me down the stairs of Madison, James Madison High School. And I, I got up. I had a little bruising and in pain. Remember I was very skinny and pushed myself off and walked up the front door, went home. And that was the last I said to my mother, see this? The next time they're gonna break my leg. So on the papers and I wiped that slate clean. It was goodbye. I think I lasted in high school maybe twenty-seven days.
1: <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know what? You 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 constantly make the right choices. So you, you mentioned Bill Cosby. So tell us how you met Bill Cosby. That's another great story.
2: 1986. No, August. It was August 16 or whatever it was. Or there, late July. I was walking on MUM in Brooklyn in the neighborhood of where the studio was. NBC. Mm-hmm. Yep, they uh,
1: shot in Brooklyn. That's right. Yep.
2: And I was walking and I bumped into some person I knew from the neighborhood. And I go, what's up? And I was like, She's like, I go, why do you have milkshake? And she was, oh, Lisa Bonet, uh from the Cosby show. She bumped it to me and my milkshake or her milkshake went all over. And I was like, really? I got to meet these people. <laughs> and I was like, how? And she told me where. And I didn't go that day, but I went the week after. And, you know, when we talk about. God does things in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And I believe in that. I believe in destiny. I believe things happen for a reason in life.
0: Me
1: too, Mario. Me too. Like
2: us meeting each other. Mm-hmm. I believe that because of all the places they had to have been in Brooklyn and of all the places I have to have been in the neighborhood. And after going there three times, I got to meet Mr. Cosby. The first two times they were on hiatus for weeks, two weeks of the hiatus. Third time, I was there, and I remember Mr. Cosby's security already hadn't become friends with me. She was hold on. She went to get Mr. Cosby. He had on a gray jacket suit. He had a glass with coffee and milk and a cigar. And he put the cigar in his mouth and he put the glass in his hand. And I'm a very huge fan of sitcoms. More the older time sitcoms. Please. Mm-hmm. Then the morning sitcom. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing this man who I had watched on TV stand in front of me and I'm like, humma, 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 humma. you're your Bill, Bill Cosby, Cosby. And he's like, uh, yeah. And he showed me the soundstage and he showed me this the house of the hoxtable that he called it, the living room, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the, the bedrooms. Whatever they were working on at his doctoring office. And we, I don't know if he said you could come back when you want or how you want or come back anytime, but I was there every single week yeah. until they were in hiatus. And every week I was there and I was learning and learning and learning. And I would go in and go in. And 1987, I think it was like March or February, whatever it was. I said to security, um, I said her name is Marie, and I said, "I don't know if she's still with us." I said, "Marie, if you see Mr. Cosby, please tell him um, I I need to speak to me, king of a woman. I? I need to speak to Bill Cosby, who's yeah. so famous that you couldn't believe it. Emmy, People's Choice yeah, and commercials afterwards. So she goes, Mr. Cosby, just walk right past you and say good night, Marie. I was like, man, you know, because I was loved by the cast." Felicia Rashad, Lisa Bonet, Michael Jamal Warner, Tempest Blitzel, the little one, Keisha and I, the whole cast was phenomenal. The week later, I got to tell him, and he's like, well, if you bring your parents, and they say, okay, I'll help you out. And I said to him, uh, can, I want to be in show business. And he, my parents, my mother didn't take me serious, but she ended up coming and met him and talked, and Brought me to cast and directors and introduced me and opened up a whole new world to my eyes.
1: Yes, for sure. That's an amazing story. Now, were you ever on The Cosby Show?
2: I did some background work uh, later years when they moved to Kaufman Astoria Studios. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I did some stand-in for a couple of different kids. Uh, on the second show he did after the Cosby Show called the Cosby Mysteries,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it was a very sure-lived uh, like a, a ice spy, like he, mm-hmm. he did like an ice spy version. Mm-hmm. And then I did uh, some more on another sitcom he did called Cosby.
1: Amazing, and and so now you have the bug. I mean, you're a big uh, I Love Lucy fan. I know you're a big Lucy the Ball fan. Huge. So yeah,
0: huge. huge.
1: That kind of molded your, your your love for show business and the sitcom world because that was your favorite and she still is. Lucy, Lucille Ball is still your favorite.
2: Absolutely, she is like you know why? Because they told Lucille Ball, they told Lucille Ball that she would never mount up to anything in in her life. She was a girl from Jamestown, New York. Moved to the city. She went to at that time there was not sitcom classes or comedy school. There was uh, drama classes and mm-hmm. film classes and TV. There wasn't even TV at the time. Um, and she took it serious enough. And she they they letter came to her mother saying, "Your daughter's not good. She's more like a class clown. She's mm-hmm. not paying attention." And 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 but she made it. Look who she is for being a class mm-hmm. clown.
1: He certainly made it. She was on TV, Mario for. 30 years, sitcoms of 30 years, various sitcoms of 30 years. Amazing story.
2: Way more than that, she she was on I Love Lucy from 51 to 60. And then from 61 to 67, she did The Lucy Show. Mm -hmm. 68 to 73, she did Here's Lucy. Then she did a bunch of NBC specials in 1986. She did a show which was short-lived called Life with Lucy, Life as with
0: Lucy yes.
2: and I kind of like that one because it's her being her at her age. And yeah. She has had a, I want to say, four or five decades of of entertaining, mm-hmm. and I I enjoy every. But not her movies too much, you know. Like if I love Lucy. But I Love Lucy was just on and right before that was the Lucy show. And I don't miss an episode.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, she had an amazing career. So, all right. So you were at the Cosby show and you did some extra work and then you decided to uh, barge into NYPD Blue. Uh, Yeah,
2: I got into NYPD Blue. Uh, They were filming in Brooklyn. I was doing some standing work for a little kid and, and then, um, When I was doing that, I was talking on the phone in Italian to my mom and the executive producer, he heard me and he had been in the, uh, I don't know what war he was in. He was in the army and and he spoke Italian and we hit it off and he's like, listen, I promise you I'll do something for you. I reached out to him for the holidays, gave me his card, said if you come out to LA, I'll show you around. He really thought I was a good character fit for some episodes. Introduced me to David Milch and got on a bunch of episodes on ABC's NYPD Blue.
1: I, I remember them vividly. It was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. And and a lot of times, uh, as you mentioned, you played, you did stand-in for children. Uh
2: stand-in work for children work. work for yeah. children. And right after I did NYPD Blue, we did Kujini.
1: Yes, uh, into Kujini too. We um that's the, the first top. time I worked together. We we had a feature film in two thousand one. Two
2: thousand one.
1: Uh, we we you know I, I was thinking was, about I
2: kugini. was in between seasons of NYPD Blue and the Best Damn Sports
1: Show. The Best Damn Sports Show you're on as well. That's right. Yeah, kugini We um, I was thinking about this morning. We were actually the first HD feature ever to shoot in New York, Mario. We um, we tested the waters for all the HD work that's that followed. Now four K, obviously, but Kugini was a great experience, and you played Augie and. And you, uh, you, every time you're on screen, you just lit up the screen. I mean, you had some, I don't know, you really got into it. You were wonderful. Uh, it really was amazing to watch you work.
2: I, I got to tell you, one of, I, I, one of my best memories was meeting Burt Young. But I know you're not going to remember this. But somebody was at the restaurant in the city when we went to go meet Bert Young. And do you remember who?
1: I you know what I I vaguely remember but you have to tell me I can see it but I can't think female of
2: it. female funny girl comedian. Uh, I, was
1: I at a I,
2: restaurant I, called I, I don't, don't remember. We met Bert Young at a restaurant in the city. Yes, it was up, up West Side and when I walked into the door, sitting on the right was uh don the lady owner was Caroline was the owner or Carol or something? and sitting with her was Joan Rivers.
1: Right, okay. And okay
2: I don't know if you remember, I, I, I saw her from outside while you were waiting for Bert on the corner with John and a few other people. It was mm-hmm. like five of us, it was the investors. I don't know how I got invited, but I said, come on, I called Bert, come on, let's make this get. And, and I walked into Joan Rivers and I left her with a fork with one hand and a knife in the other. And she told me, kid, you got chutzpah.
0: <laughs> you do. <laughs>
2: and I don't know if you remember, we were sitting at the back of the restaurant
1: yeah. and
2: a round table and I kept turning my head and you kept going, why are you turning your head? Is And I go, and the- didn't know if I said Joan Rivers is there. And at that time, had I had a camera or an iPhone, I would have been like, wow, well, I got a picture with Joan Rivers. Because now she also was on a few, she was on his Lucy and the Lucy show. Mm-hmm. And now that I could acknowledge comedy and stand up, she would have been the person that I would have said, please let me work with, you. please, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, she's brilliant. She's a brilliant, brilliant career, funny, funny woman. Still to this day, her humor holds up as well. She's very, very funny. It's a shame that she had a very abrupt ending of her life and probably shouldn't have happened, fortunately, but it's terrible. But she was something else. So yeah, we, for those who uh, we're talking about a film, Coco Genie, which we produced in uh, 2001, and we raised the money ourselves. It was a real grassroots production, and we were very lucky to, to bring a lot of our friends on board and uh, the reason why we got Burt Young in was because we had our comedian Pat Cooper in the role that we originally casted him for. And the first day of shooting, he walked out on us for whatever reason. And we were left without a uh, without a lead in a way. Absolutely. So we reached out to Burt. as you were, Mario reached out to Burt Young, if I remember correctly. Mario called him. And the next day we we're meeting Burt Young in a restaurant in Manhattan. So it was incredible. It was incredible. I
2: called, I called uh, uh, who was the guy that was in the golf on the Leash Twelt by Colise uh, school, and <laughs> I wasn't supposed to do what they did, and I begged them, and they gave me, I don't know what I told these people, That's and right. they gave me his phone number, and I left the message, hello, this is Bert Young, call, leave a message, and I left the message, and we really didn't have a lot of, I- we didn't have an iPhone, we had like a little flip phone, yeah. And and I remember getting a call back from Burt Young and I felt like because I'm a big Pulp of the Greenwich Village fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, Oh my god, this is the guy from the Pope of the Greenwich Pope the Pop of the Greenwich Village. Oh my god, oh my God. I was like, this is crazy. And and he ended up doing the movie. And he also was a, a friend of Joan Rivers. And because mm-hmm. as I was chewing her ear off, he walked in, said hi to Joan. And you walked in right behind him, and it was like, "Ooh, did I just do something unfunny?" But you know, it's not forever.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So we, we 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 continue on on your journey. So now, um, one of your taglines, and I may I'm not gonna probably gonna not say it correctly, but the first time I noticed you was when you were, it might have been NYPD Blue and. On the actual show, someone said to you, "Excuse me, uh, uh, little boy," or something like that. And you, your line was, "Excuse me, sir, I'm not a little boy. I'm thirty something years old." I think. What what was that thing?
2: it was the entrance scene when they were trying to figure out my age, and it was more of a cat chase mouse type of thing. It was more like a Sherlock Holmes, like he was trying to figure, he's trying to analyze the case. And when we go into the apartment, Sipowitz s- tells him who's the kid. He goes, that's a neighbor who's at least 27 years of
0: age. Mm-hmm.
2: And they couldn't figure out how old I was. And then when he said, I took that on my tippy toes to be eye with him. And I was like, and they loved it because that was me doing it. it was me dropping a yeah, little, right, right. little bumps here, little bumps there. And I was like, got on my tippy toe and I was like, Oh, uh, you got a problem with me? Yeah, I'm sure, but you got a problem with me? Look, I'm at your level now. You know, and and uh it was a great it was a great show. It will always be a great show, and I had the honor to say that I got to be in a bunch of episodes. One huge one called happens to be seven one eight, season seven, eight, episode eighteen, mm-hmm. Lucky Luciano. And wow. I believe that's, again, that's fate, because this could have been season six. Could have been season five. It could have been episode 24. That would have been nothing to me. But 718, my area code.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No brainer. No brainer, for sure. Amazing.
2: The man upstairs making magic.
1: Yeah. And you know, Mario, in following you as a, as a dear friend and following your career as well, I have to say that the man upstairs has always looked after you um, yeah, and gave you the, gave you the, the clues or the hints or the direction to follow your dream. And you grabbed it. So do Kujini's over with. And um, what, wh- what did you do next? I I that, that I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I, I
2: did some, I, I did some, uh, you know, going back to Kujini. I don't know if you remember who else you were trying to get. Do You remember?
1: Hmm. I was, only the, I was only the producer, and I don't remember. I'm ashamed to say.
2: Uh, John John is a big fan of his 1970s TV show.
1: Oh, uh, we tried to get Henry Winkler. Yeah.
2: Henry Winkler. I approached yeah. him at a play with John Ritter.
1: That's right. You did. <laughs> you did.
2: Yeah. And I recently saw uh, Henry in L.A. Uh, last year. Not this time. Uh, last time, yeah, I saw him in Beverly Hills, and he was so happy to see me. And I'm always like, hey, do you remember I gave you the script at that play when, when you were with John? And he was like, yes, yes. I, I, he goes, I wish I could have done it. We were trying to get Carol O'Connor. And I remember yeah. he died yeah. like while we were shooting. yeah. And, and we were trying to get him because John it was a big fan. I'm a big fan of Archie Bunker as well. And he was one of the people we were trying to get. But I, for some reason, either he was too sick was something and and he just had passed away. No, I remember you going. Well, thank God we didn't get that one <laughs> because <laughs> we would have been up Shits Creek number two.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: You know, Henry Winkler was kind enough. He called us. Actually, we he called us left a voice message for us, thanking us for giving him the script and thanking us for thinking about him. It was amazing to hear that. One other nugget about Kujini if you remember, when when. Um, when Pat walked out on us, we needed to, uh, of course, we got Bert, thanks to you, and we brought Bert on. We had to find more money. And speaking of an act of God, Ben Stiller came yes. through for us and gave yes. us a larger amount of money to continue and finish the production, which I still have the check. I still have it in my memory uh, memory case there, and it's amazing. So the Kujini was a magical thing. It, Kujini got a lot of people started and a lot of people recognized and-, and Yeah. And, Got a lot of a lot of folks went on to do great things, which I'm very proud of. I understand.
2: I mean, listen, let me tell you something. To a comedian, I look at it to me every time I have to do a show, it's a production. Mm -hmm. I have to put the shirt, the pants, the socks, the shoes, the bow tie, the jacket. Everything has to be uh, a production. You understand what I mean? It's not like I could just go up there with a flannel shirt and go, Hey, so my date today was really good and uh, I hit a lot of now me. I have to be like, oh, I got my bow tie on. and If you guess how many I have, forget it. Like, I
1: could imagine. I could imagine. So. So when did you start? When did you? I mean, you were acting for a long time. You had all these connections all over Hollywood. You, you, you became close with Jimmy Kimmel and his cousin, Sal. And yeah. uh, you're on the Jimmy Kimmel Show a lot of times. You you just hung around there when you came to LA. I know I know your trips to LA were events because you <laughs> you came out to LA and here's was this little guy in a big limo and and going to uh, all the different stages in town, just walking in like he owns the place. It was it was amazing. So you met Jimmy Kimmel and you became friends with Jimmy, right?
2: Yeah, I met Jimmy in uh, 2009. Real quick, I was uh, doing a movie called At the Sinatra Club, and the guy had been. A guy that was in the witness protection program that I had no clue he was, and right. here always show up from Brooklyn with boxes of cannolis and cookies and this and that cannoli, but cookies, bread. I brought everything out, and he had said, "I'm gonna do four scenes." Now, you give Mario Bosco four scenes, you better keep your word on that one.
0: That's right. Don't
2: even. I mean, we we did a scene in Cogini. We talked about the other day with a lobster. And they said, okay, right before we're going to roll, we're going to cut the tips of the, of the lobster. We're going to cut the things mm-hmm. because he was locked in wanted to have his hand curled. And I would have to pick it up because they couldn't hold it all day. His lobster would die, so I would have to put it back down, pick it back up. Okay, rolling, speed, background action, action. And the conversation was done, and I would get to him from the pair, Pick up the lobster, they put me in through and I walk out with my smock or whatever you with my apron on, and and they'd be like, "What's <laughs> that a lobster that's moving?" And I'm like, yeah, "Hello, friend." <laughs> and 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 you know, I wasn't taking no for an answer from anybody. You I know,
0: know? I know that.
2: And, and you know, then when I got to the LA, he gave me one seat. I'm like, ah. Nonsense! I'm going to get on Jimmy Kimmel. I'd already had plans in my head. I had fabricated the uh, structure on how that the situation was going to go down. I didn't completely, completely have it down, but I knew. And then the first day, went to go see a movie. I had a Bolekta the movie at Gram's Chinese with a friend of mine who's a boy, a big voiceover artist. He does Red Bulls got wings. Red Bulls mm-hmm. got wings. Mm-hmm. And, and him and his beautiful wife, who was also in a white, blue at the time before me, we went to go to the grommage. But my head wasn't there because I had a homemade press pack and I was getting on Kimmel one way or another. <laughs> I got the first day. I left the movie theater, got across the street, got in and I got to see. But I didn't get to meet Jimmy. Second day, I show back up. I'm like, hey, we know, you, you were here yesterday. We can't give you another ticket. I go, but yesterday, I didn't see a full show. I saw a sketch. Today, I want to see the show. Like we saw, we're going to give too many people, too many toys. we got to give uh, other people opportunity. And I was like, really? Normally, I think I would have unleashed a little Brooklyn on it, but I suddenly tone it down and keep it quiet. And like I said, God's good because he does things in mysterious ways and for certain reasons. I left, and when I came back to go get the bus, they were filming a sketch, and his daughter is never, uh, his cousin, Jimmy's cousin, Mickey, uh, whose Uncle Frank and Aunt Chippy's daughter, never go outside to watch her dad do sketches, and rest in peace, he passed away. She she was out there, and she took a picture, and I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't been on a Red, Pretty Blue in like nine years. Who's taking my picture? And... Lo and behold, it was her, and I told her my story, and she got me on the next day, and I got on Jimmy Kimmel Live. (laughs) And very recently, like a couple of months in July, uh, it was uh, Cousin Sal's 50th birthday, and I got to roast him the end of July in, in Las Vegas at the Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. at the Lynx Hotel, Caesar's Palace, Lynx Hotels casino of course in the Brooklyn Bowl and I got to roast cousin Sal and Jimmy. I nailed both to the wall one one shot. <laughs>
1: that's, that's amazing. I, I remember that I could every time I would every time like we would lose touch Maybe, I would
0: I would see this
2: is, this is me a kid from Brooklyn I thought that this was supposed to happen. You know, get on his show and do sketches and do this and do that, and then boom, they call me up. They go, "I was going for the birthday party. They go, we want Jimmy. Want you to close the roast. Close the roast. Close the roast. Are you crazy? <laughs> Can't even close the door straight."
1: <laughs> That's beautiful. So that that opened up. That that is that when you got the bug for stand up comedy a little bit. No,
2: I got yeah. the bug for stand up comedy many years ago. Uh, about. Five, it's going to be four years in December
0: mm-hmm.
2: A friend of mine uh, This girl I was hanging out at the time Wanted to be an entertainer she, she found this free class That they were giving It was like a one hour And then we were going to go out dinner And make the night of it And she attended a class The guy taught us It was like a, a two hour session They taught us a little bit of comedy And she wanted to learn more She wasn't really outspoken And didn't know mm-hmm. how to get into a, like a if she had to give a presentation at work, she wanted to do a four. And mm-hmm. I says, you know, she goes, it's 400, that, that's a lot. The girl was well, $60 off today if you join now. So I raise it to 340. I was like, I don't know. She goes, I'll take another 60 off. Okay, that brings it to 280. And I go, well, you know, I'm also a member of Screen Actors Guild. I'm supposed to get another 60 off. I ended up paying 220 for a life-changing career. And yeah. but I figured to myself, $20, 22 a week, 10 weeks, it's something to do. And I remember, this again, this wasn't something I wanted to do, never. I more wanted to sing than do anything. I got no voice to sing. And I didn't want to do any of this. And I just said, okay. And I remember I bought this thing for B&H, and I still have it in the package. And it's this ear thing. You put it in your ear. The tube goes around your ear, down mm-hmm. the side of your neck, into your clothing, and it plugs into your phone. And I was gonna have my friend call me before I go on. I was gonna answer, say, "Okay, you hear me? Yeah, good." And she was gonna read my jokes, and I was gonna tell the tell the audience and be done with it and be complacent. And my friend ratted me after the teacher and. Teachers like, you can't do that, Are you crazy. And and I I I won't make you laugh, but just give me a quick second. I have the package right here. It's actually too deep for me to grab, but I had the okay. pack- Never opened it because she ran me out. <laughs> and a month later I got to be I was in LA a month later and I opened for uh Michael Winslow from Police Academy. Sure, the
1: sound effects guy, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so how was that? Like, were you afraid? What was going on there when you first time you got on stage? Did you, uh, was it easy kinda, for you? I
2: kind of like, I kind of loved it. I kind of, um, uh, I had opened for Audi Lang before mm-hmm. any of the classes. I had opened for him at the Borgata with mm-hmm. Allah Abadali, the basketball player. And, and I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I wanted uh, to tell more jokes. Yeah. So I knew that something about that was going to happen and just and look at me today, it's like, wow, thank you, God. It, it's so
1: incredible. Much. It's incredible what you, I mean, every part of your career uh, has been reinvention and, and you 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 move forward and now you have a legitimate stand-up career, which is unbelievable. I mean, you travel all over the country now, maybe even all over the world. I'm not sure if you've been international, but...
2: Uh, not international. No, not international. But I've been uh, done a, this year alone. I did this year alone. I did like ten states. Amazing. And Amazing. I'm going to December tenth. I'm playing uh Cleveland, Ohio, and the eleventh. I should be back in Detroit, Michigan. So oh God, I don't know how. Don't know. Don't know where this is coming from. But somebody is, uh, is touching me and blessing me.
1: Well, Mario, you, you, you have the fighting spirit, you, 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 you have the desire, you're, you're probably one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And when I see you, I don't see someone, I see someone who is who is so tall and powerful in, in stature. Doesn't matter how tall you are. Or, or oh yeah, absolutely. How you big know? you are. You you command the room when you um, when you walk into a room and you get people's attention and that is quite an amazing talent to have. It's spirit and desire. It's it's the will to win. It's it's not giving up, not saying no, and you know that's exactly what we're trying to present here on this podcast, buddy. We're trying to present people who've done just what you've done and and to help others get somewhere. You know.
2: You know. I used to watch the Academy Awards. Not that I don't, but I used to watch them. And Jo... Whoopi Goldberg once used to say how she would close the show with so many different gowns. She would say, if you have a dream, live your dream. Mm -hmm. If you have a dream, make your dream. Don't say you have a dream. Say, I live my dream. Mm -hmm. Because if you're holding on to something... And you're waiting for somebody to come knock on the door, that ain't gonna happen. Go out there and whatever it is. If you wanna be a chef, take classes, become a chef. If you wanna be a doctor, go do whatever's in your tip because that's the way I feel. You know, there was an old 1970 sitcom. I'm sure Anthony could relate to it a little bit more than me called um Maud, a spinoff from all in the family. Mm-hmm. And in one of the episodes, Maud's Big Decision, and it's in also in my, my book. Uh, I don't know if you know, I wrote a book. Yes, so we'll, hope, we'll get to uh, that.
1: And we'll plug that at the end. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So in Maud's Big Decision, they asked Maud, why at this age are you running for politics? And Maud said, if I don't open that door, I will not know what's behind it. And that if I don't do it and I don't walk through that door, then I'm going to forever remain, that door will forever remain shut. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be wondering what is behind that door. Mm-hmm. So win or lose, I'm going to open that door mm-hmm. and many other doors behind it because you never know what's behind those doors. Had I not fought to get across to Jimmy Kimmel three times and got on with Denzel Washington, I would not have roasted both of them this year. I would not have, if I didn't take that class, I wouldn't have, I didn't do Cugini. I could have said, hey, I'm doing a White Pity Bloom, doing other big things. But it was the fire and the passion. Mm-hmm. You know, me and John uh, had worked on other stuff previous from Cugini. Mm-hmm. That's what we had met. We had met on a few Ben Stiller projects and some other movies, The World of Tannenbounds, and a few other things before Cugini. Again, Your dreams, the things that you will build on. You know, today, it's not just go out there, get a nine-to-five job, come home, put the pot on top of the stove, make the dinner, watch the news, get in the shower, get your clothes and go to bed. No, that's not, we're not made out of styrofoam, We're we're not mannequins. We need to live life, we need to live the one thing. God gives us a golden ticket. That golden ticket is our pureness, and that's the joy. you could listen to, I could stand on the corner. And I know I'm doing a lot of talking and you can. I could stand on the corner and I could say to a thousand people I walk by every day or a billion people, do you love what you do? I could say, yes, I love that I I get on the stage. I get focused, get on the stage. I know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, if I have a chat, I know how to tell somebody, okay, come on. This is my time. We could talk on with the next comic. Just be grateful and be happy. I mean, if 2020 didn't show us Mm
0: -hmm.
2: one thing and here I'm a sick person with a lot of things with medications and I got COVID very late September of last year, not this year, last year, 2020. If that didn't kill me, nothing will. Mm -hmm. Don't live your life knowing that, well, if possible now man that's not the way it works that's a right. filmmaker a filmmaker makes a movie he makes a movie from a vision that he has mm-hmm. the vision is comes not just the words on the paper it's not that it's a it's an orchestra mm-hmm. your 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 film is in the can it's little film that's going to be developed in, and it's just gone like on a little, and they're filming this one. It's not just the film, it's not the dialogue on the paper, it's the guy that's gonna make it magical.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. It could be a, a horror, it could be a drama, it could mm-hmm. be a comedy. If it doesn't have a sparkle of magic in it, some kind of a thing that that talks about something. Then what is it about? Then mm-hmm. what do we live for?
1: That's right, Mario. If, you know absolutely, and and you just said it perfectly. I mean, uh, just if, like
2: the game of baseball, I'm starting to like the game of baseball. He does. If they just threw every ball straight at you, it'd be boring. But they get right. curved balls and they got hitting right. bonbons and he's going this way, and the ball is going that way.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: The enjoyment of life that we get, those things that God gave us, take it and run with it.
1: You're a prime example. Something I like to say, Mario, is a lot of people say in this world, why did this happen to me? Yeah. What they should say is, why did this happen for me? Because you're the the, uh, great definition of someone who took everything that happened to you, good and bad, and turned it into uh, a success, turned it into an opportunity. And that is incredible. And your words, what you just said, sums up everything we try to do in our lives. You shouldn't have fear anymore. You should go out and enjoy because everyone's gonna have an opinion about something you do. Who gives it who gives a don what they say? You can okay. keep on going, right?
2: Yeah, you know, World Disney created Mickey Mouse, 1934.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: World Disney had a vision. Okay, it says, World Disney's line is living the impossible dream. Mm-hmm. We are living the impossible dream. Many people want to be, oh, I want to be a makeup artist. I want to do, people talk. I want to do this. I want to do this. I do it. But where is the now go? Okay, you want to be a makeup artist? Go to makeup school, take right. 10 different makeup classes learn different arts, go study the makeups, go to the mall. Right.
1: Get immersed in it. That's
0: yeah.
2: Product. Get involved with what your dream is. Right. Right. Go, Live it. Go, Live
0: the dream. Yeah.
2: Leave the dream. Leave the dream. Live the dream.
1: Believe that, I the, be- believe that you're there already. That's what I do. That's why I've been successful out here. I believe I'm there already, Mario. So it doesn't matter. When I arrive and when I don't arrive, I believe I'm there already because you have to fall in love with the process. If you fall in love with the process of what you're doing, it's 90 percent of the battle. It's done. You know,
2: 100 percent. I take you, for instance. I mean, you're a guy from Brooklyn. You were raised different, you know, show business, really. Your parents, your dad was in show business, but, you know, most people that live in Brooklyn and they they got to go break construction. you got to go get a job, you know, on education. This is that. go get a book or break a construction. And you're like, no, I want to be involved in show business. I want to produce. I want to be involved with creating. I remember you got involved with the film camera. Uh, uh, rental plate.
1: I'm still doing that now. Yeah, that's where that's how I uh, got to California.
2: Wow, well, you saying and you're doing and, and you here was you, a guy from Brooklyn who landed in a brand new town, a town that was already hip, a town that didn't need another person, okay? <laughs> a town that was, and you said, you know what? Move over. I'm coming in. Oh, and that's,
0: thank you, Mario.
2: That's, that's what you got to do in life.
1: That's right. I appreciate that you see it that way. It really means a lot to me. Well, Mario, we're going to have you on again. You, you said it all today well you haven't said it all you said a lot but you said great things today and as I mentioned earlier you're the definition of a fighting spirit and and you've you've inspired more people than you know because sometimes the inspiration comes later but I guarantee you you've inspired more people than you know and I am so honored one number one to be your friend
0: and oh, absolutely.
1: Two, have you on today and I love you like a brother man and um, I, uh, I really thank you very much. Ta- w- your book is called From uh, Hopeless to Hollywood.
2: From Hopeless to Hollywood. It's uh, based on uh, being a sick child to getting involved with Hollywood. Yeah. There's a chapter in there. I have to say the word squirrel when I come to the line. Uh, it, they, they call me a star fucker. Squirrel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. I'm going to tell you, I I put up a lot of stuff on Instagram and all, you know, but what does that mean? At the end of everything, I always put up, be be blessed, so Mm -hmm. blessed, thankful and grateful and joyful, because if you're not blessed for what God is putting on my table, whether it's a job that I'm going to go do later on tonight, stopping at another club. Maybe somebody's going to say, hey, somebody's not here. Hey, you want to go up and do five minutes? Hey, yeah, thanks. Absolutely. It's God. Mm -hmm. It's God that's doing that. He has the magic wand. God could do a lot of magical things. I have a friend uh, whose nephew just recently passed away a couple of days ago. To an overdose of drugs. Now I know people are gonna say,
0: Sorry
2: about that. "Yeah, um, why didn't God save his demons?" Sometimes people build their own demons, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 you know, if you don't help yourself, God, God, you God says, "Help you." I help you even more. You know what I mean? Like I said, I could have put a dunce cap right on top of his head, and I could have turned myself face the wall. And I could have said, you know what? I'm gonna be done with life. I had many of times, and Anthony could tell you where you're scared and right there. How many times I had bad thoughts and dark days and dark Mm -hmm. thoughts, whether it was because of life, you know, when you want things in life that you really can't get. Today I say thank you. Listen, do I still get negative thoughts? Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. do I say that I say thank you? Mm -hmm. Because I believe every day when you open your eyes. God gives you a gift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is, gift. That is that the gift. gift. That is the, the
2: gift. gift. That's a gift, but there's more in the gift. The gift has a full day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gift has a healthy life. Mm-hmm. The gift has so many different things that God puts his big. It may not. You may not get a, a, a wrapping paper to rip. You may not have a big bow on it. But I look at it that God puts a gift every morning on the foot of my bed, and when I open my eyes, that's me opening the box. There you go. What's in the box is my beautiful day. It, it it magically, magically could be amazing things. It could be. And listen, it could be things that may not be right for me that God's not showing me the right
1: oh, you anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: How come I had, I've been an actor 36 years. God didn't make that work out for me. Being a stand-up, October, I did 35 shows. November, I'm banging out about 30, 32 shows. November, I'm working on more shows. December is here. It's a fresh month. I got a show tonight and I have shows. I mean blessed. And I have, you know, I got to say I have this comedy club in Long Island, Governor's Comedy Club. The owner is Italian Sicilian. He took me in like a son under a year in the business doing stand-up. He had got me from five minutes to almost doing 25 minutes.
0: Wow, wow. Say to me,
2: Come on, kiddo. You got to do 15 minutes. Come on. You got to do 20 minutes. Now I say, Whew, no problem. Let's go. Where do I come out from? Five years. Uh, when I started with him three years ago, I would have been like, ooh, that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Now, still, I'm not a headliner. I'm just on the feature. Like 45 minutes. i feel like, that's like what I would have said five years, four years ago. Uh, no, I can't. But you know what? God says, give me the will. I'll give you the way. Mm-hmm. And, I give him my will and it's gonna make it work out for me.
1: Mario, amazing. Uh, the book is called From Hopeless to Hollywood. We're gonna put a link on the on our website, not only for the book, for all of Mario's upcoming tour dates forever. You'll always be able to find Mario's uh, tour dates on our website, which is ourfightingspirit.com. It's not up yet, but it will be up in about a week. And uh, Mario, I thank you so much today. I can't thank you enough. We got to have you on again, and maybe we'll do a comedy show one day and get some other oh, comedians on. Have some I fun. would
2: love to do a, a live one in person.
1: We will do uh, that. We will do that. We will do there's,
2: that. There's, see, i tell you one thing. In in life, you know, you gave me an opportunity, like an actor. You said, yeah, hey, we're doing this for Michael Jr. You're going to play this role, Augie. Here's the script. You're going to read these things. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, I was popping up in more scenes. I remember that scene in the restaurant with the lobster, and it was a, such a huge scene. It one of my favorites, actually. There was a lot of favorites, but that was one of my favorites because I worked with a lot of celebrities. I worked with many, many big-name celebrities. But you want to know something? Working with that lobster was <laughs> like, he was the star, and I was just like, oh, Okay. Okay, Mr. Lobster. Okay, Mr. But it's like, it's like, who am I to get that opportunity? And I was just a kid from the neighborhood. Possibly, I remember when the script said I was going to have one or two lines and ended up with like seven scenes and the the finish outside scene, the wedding scene, the beginning. Scene, the, the walk in the street scene, the neighborhood scene, the lobster scene, and this scene and that
1: you scene. Earned you, you earned it, Mario. You earned it. You were great. You also even wangled a, uh, a co-producer credit out of me too, as well. Just we should just say that as well. <laughs> anyway, Mario, it's been so hey, great today. For
2: hey, young, for young, Greg, I'm a lot. Lot of bottles out of you. I could bottle, (laughs) I could wagle one producer credit.
1: (laughs) You earned it. You earned that too. Mario, it's so great, man. I I love you. I I am so happy that you're doing well and you're healthy and your career is rolling. And I really want to thank you for joining us today. And if
2: people want to follow me on Instagram, it's Mario Bosco Comedy, Facebook, Mario Bosco Comedy, TikTok, Mario Bosco Comedy, and on Match.com. I don't
1: want to be sound. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link those to the website as well. And we'll also yeah. we'll get you a match.com profile on our website. No, no, no profile. Actually, my website is Mario Bosco
2: Comedy
1: Too. And oh, God bless you. We'll put all that on the website, Mara. Thank you again, brother. And good luck tonight in the gig and do well. Okay.
2: Thank you so very much. I may see
1: you next week in New York. I'll ring you on. Better. Okay? I will. I, I will. Better. Love you, babe. Love you more, kiddo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Mario. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Our Fighting Spirit. We'll see you again next time. And uh, keep fighting and keep winning.
0: Thank you for listening. Please make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast player and leave us a review.